This call is being recorded. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, usually joined by David Harrison, but he is held up at work right now. Uh, you can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayYarko underscore Bucks, and at DH82 underscore Bucks. In David's absence, I am very excited to welcome on fellow Bucks Nation writer, Evan Winter. Evan, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. How are you? I'm doing very well. Excited to, you know, talk about actual football things and not worry about t-shirts and jerseys worn at camp and whatnot. So, you know, we'll have uh, we'll have some fun talking about uh, what's going on at training camp and you and, and our, our manager, Gil Arcia, you had the opportunity to be at camp over the weekend. Uh, kind of what was what are some of your takeaways from your experience doing that? Man, you can go in all kinds of different directions with it. <clears throat> uh, primarily, the first takeaway that I had was simply this fact, the fact that this is quite honestly, probably one of the more together teams than I've ever seen. Now, obviously, you know, this is my first NFL training camp that I've gone down and covered, um, even though it's just for a couple of days. But and you always get a different perspective whenever you're actually there watching the team instead of, you know, just listening to reports and stuff like that. But at the same time, <clears throat> I've this team just they're bonding, they're gelling, um, you know, whatever adjective you want to use. And they care about each other. That's the mo- that's the biggest takeaway I had. Um, they're always willing to help out, no matter what the so-called you know quote unquote status is of each player. I mean, we've seen Gerald McCoy. This is a yearly thing he does, carrying off pads of his younger teammates. You know, his quote is, "You've got to serve before you can lead." So on and so forth. There's been other veteran players that have taken that approach too, especially JPP. And they're looking out for each other. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact they know how important this season is. But yeah, man, this is this is a team for sure. And whenever teams bond and they're cohesive like this with each other, usually that leads to good things. So I'm excited on that aspect. Yeah, we we've discussed quite a bit how important the chemistry is. Uh, yeah, and, and we focused it a lot on the offensive line gelling with the new pieces and the shifting of Ali Marped, and then of course the defensive line with a complete revamp. But team chemistry as a whole, of course, is a is a major thing. And I'm not sure if you're a fan of Pat McAfee and, and his serious show and his podcast. Oh, for well, sure. He's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the things that he constantly talks about when he refers back to his NFL career is that the teams that he was on, he knew early if they were going to do well or not by how the team interacted with one another. And one of the stories that he was telling the other day was – when he saw, um, and I'm drawing a blank, the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles head coach. Oh, Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson, thank you. Doug Peterson was in the locker room before the Super Bowl dancing to some rap song. I have no idea what the song was. And all the players were jumping up and down and getting hyped up and, and cheering him on. And, and he's just being goofy and loose. And he said, I got on. And, and started hammering the Eagles in that game. You know, I won a lot of money because I watched how they were as a unit, like as a team and, and how they all had that chemistry and they all rallied around each other and their, their head coach was keeping it loose. And he goes, there's a lot to be said about that. It's not always just about the X's and O's. There is that, that chemistry factor where 
you know, if guys don't trust each other, if they don't gel together, if they're not working off of one another, it's going to destroy the team from the inside out, you know, from, from the front to the back. So, you know, chemistry is a a huge thing and it's, it's really good to hear you say that you kind of saw some of that going on and, and how cohesive the, the team is with one another, you know, uh, as part of, of your, uh, your day at training camp, of course, you got to see the new indoor facility. You guys moved inside. Um, were there, was that the military appreciation day or was it uh, an exclusive day for, it wasn't open to the general public, correct? No, it was open to the general public. That was actually on Sunday when we got to move inside. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So, you know, one of the big hooplas on, on Twitter is an article from the Tampa Bay Times talking about people wearing Jameis Winston jerseys. And we're not going right. to get into all that. We're not going to worry about, you know, what he said, she said, all that nonsense. What I want to know about is what was your, if any, what was your kind of interaction with the fans and, and how were they receiving certain players, you know, you know, guys run on the field and, and there's cheers and all that. I mean, did there seem to be any kind of blowback regarding Jameis Winston? He's not with the first team all the time. Fitzpatrick needs his reps, uh, needs his time. Cause of course he's starting those first three games, but you know, what was the, the fan atmosphere like? Is it seemed like they're starting to get a little bit more excited? It's not going to be like it was last year where the hype train was going 900 miles an hour by June, but you know, what was kind of your take? away from from that aspect of practice they were really supportive um actually it's funny you mentioned that when i was watching more you know as the as training camp begins you know the players walk out on the field they're kind of getting loose all that stuff i even posted a couple videos of them warming up on twitter and all that good stuff um but the first thing i noticed on sunday was this gentleman he was a fan he had his – the kid couldn't have been more than three or four years old. He had his kid out there on the field, and he had a Jameis Winston jersey on. The child did, and the dad did. Um, the fans were great. I mean, now I did overhear some saying that there were not as near as many people at this point at training camp as there was last year. But like you're saying, the hype train was going 900 miles an hour in June and coming off a of 5-11 and 11 season. That's to be expected, so no big deal there. But overall, morale was good. Uh, Deshaun Jackson got a bunch of cheers, especially when he caught this little quick pass on the on Sunday when we were indoors. He took it upfield for a touchdown. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick got a bunch of cheers. Uh, even Jameis got a couple cheers, you know, here and there. I think fans right now, I think they're supportive, but they're also just kind of waiting to see what happens with him. And there's nothing wrong with that because at this point, yeah, Jameis has kind of made his bed and, you know, not necessarily – like people have said concerning the Uber allegations, you don't know for sure, but also there's enough evidence to make you wonder. But at the same time, if you don't have anything definitive, let the guy play, see what he can do. And we all know how motivated he can get off of situations like this. So to me, it just, I feel like with the support of the fans, support of the teammates that he has, I think he's going to be okay, man. And, but like I said, overall morale was good. It was very, very good. Well, Evan, yeah, I'm sure things were incredibly hectic and and crazy at, at training camp, running all over the place trying to cover things. Not my so leg, different. My legs were definitely sore Sunday morning. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, you know how you could get your legs in better shape for the next one. That's if you uh, got yourself a Nordic track. You know, we uh, <laughs> we have such crazy hectic lives, especially as adults. You have kids. 
you know, you have your full-time job. We have our, our side gigs, all that. It's hard to find time to carve out time and go to the gym. Well, thanks to Nordic track, you can bring the gym to you and cater it to the needs that you have. Nordic track has a series of training equipment to give you amazing workouts in the convenient of your own home, including treadmills, exercise bikes, incline trainers, and strength trainers. With Nordic Track, you can join high energy streamed workouts any time of the day without stepping out the door. It's like you bring a personal trainer into your own home. You have any idea how expensive personal trainers are? And you basically get one with one of these Nordic Track machines. It's incredible. Join streamed workouts in both studios and exotic destinations around the world. Evan, you could start your day by running through the streets of Paris and you can end your day with cross training on the shores of Thailand or you know, maybe you're feeling a little adventurous and you want to run away from a lion, you can work out in an African safari. Workouts are led by the world's top personal trainers to ensure you meet your fitness goals. A special offer for Locked On Bucks listeners. You get $75 off your Nordic Track purchase by visiting nordictrack.com slash locked on and using the offer code locked on. Again, visit N-O-R-D-I-C-T-R-A-C-K dot com slash locked on and use offer code locked on during checkout to save $75 off your purchase. And you know who else could have used a Nordic track, Evan? That was our guy, first round pick, Vita Vea, who, as yep. you were there on Sunday, left practice with a calf strain. And uh, Greg Allman posted a, a photo and a video earlier uh, on Tuesday showing him in a walking boot. He's got one of those crazy one-legged wheel thingamajigs you set your leg on. I don't know what they're called, but you know he's wheeling his leg around. Not good. Uh, of course, the 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 thought process is he's going to miss some some practice. He's going to miss a few weeks. Shouldn't miss any of the regular season, but. You know, we're talking about a, a a rookie who is coming into the NFL. He's not acclimated to the NFL game yet. He's not acclimated to the NFL speed or the strength or the eliteness of the athletes that he's going to be going up against. So how far back do you think this injury is going to set Vea? It's not like he was going to come in and be an immediate day one, like full-time starter. There is a rotation that Jason Light has built along this defensive line. So we weren't, you know, to me, it's not going to be a massive, massive blow, but it does hurt a little bit because that does take some talent out of said rotation. But as far as Vea's development, I mean, do you see how do you see this kind of hampering what he was doing and and how he's going to move forward missing this time? Oh, it's it's definitely a big deal. Um, it reminds me a lot. You know, I, I'm from Nashville, so it reminds me a lot of when Mariota, you know, was taken out in the Jacksonville game uh, during the 2016 season. And he was basically seen riding around on one of these scooters for the longest time, I, if, especially for a, a rookie like Vea, who is extremely talented. I mean, you know, obviously other than the veterans with your JPPs and your Gerald McCoys, he's right right next in line as the most talented, you know, defensive lineman on this defense. However, he's still very raw. You know, when defensive tackles, defensive linemen, anybody who's learning this type of just role in a defense where they're going to either be a, a run stopper, pass rusher, whatever. It's a big deal. Um, the fact that it's not the dreaded Achilles injury, like what was thought is good. 
But at the same time, like I said earlier when I was talking, this this Buck staff knows how important this season is. Uh, the front office knows how important this season is. Already with Winston's suspension, and this is just me just kind of playing speculation here a little bit, but it almost seems like they might be downplaying the injury to avoid some type of panic, you know, amongst the fans and the media and blah, 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 and all that stuff. And as we've seen with the Tampa Bay Times and all that stuff, right now there's room for speculation with a lot of issues going on with this team. Um, it's a big deal, man, just to put it that way. Uh, I'm trying to think of recent defensive linemen who are hurt during training camp or supposed to be a big deal. For some reason, the name Sharif Floyd keeps bringing up, keeps coming to mind. I want to say he got hurt during his rookie training camp, um, and he was taken, I believe, 23rd by the Minnesota Vikings overall uh, a few years ago. And I want to say he hasn't really recovered since then. That's the first name that brings to mind, but it's a big deal, man, overall. And hopefully he can get back on the field within two weeks. But honestly, I won't be surprised if he doesn't really play until the third preseason game of the season. Yeah, I, I could definitely see them holding him out the first couple of preseason games at, at the very least. And and I think his playing time will be limited as far as the reps that he probably would have gotten versus what he will end up with once the regular season starts. Who was the the Jacksonville uh, defensive lineman that tore his ACL like the second day of rookie minicamp a few that'd years be, ago? That'd be Dante Fowler. Yeah, that was Fowler. Fowler. Okay. Yep. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, and that right there showed. And I mean, he he came back and played his next year, but he really didn't take off until last year. And that right there, I mean, you know, and I, he was an he was a stand up edge rusher, so. I mean, these types of injuries, you just don't know, especially a big man, a man, or sorry, a man as big as Vea with a lower leg injury. That just never sounds good. Yeah, it it's definitely a cause for concern, but certainly not panic. Um, exactly. exactly. Yeah. And, and like I said, you know, Jason Light has has worked really hard to build up a solid rotation of these defensive linemen. And yeah, Vea was was a part of that. And of course, we had our fun little spat, Gil and I, in the group chat of, about mm-hmm. Vea versus Derwin James. These these Florida State fans, Evan, I tell you what. <laughs> yeah, I'm a UT fan. We deal with Gators fans, so I can completely understand. Hey, just don't bring up Channing Tatum and we'll be okay, right? <laughs> <laughs> Bill loves Channing Tatum. Well, and I'm an <laughs> Illinois fan, so we just don't get professional football players anyway. I, it, you know, actually, it amazes me how many professional football players Illinois churns out, yet they always suck in college. I don't, I don't get how that works. Right, me either, man. It's it's quite the uh, question that will forever linger amongst football fans for sure. But hey, an Illinois player is still the last one to get double digit sacks for the Bucks, so I'll I'll take it. But Anyway, back to uh, back to Vea. You know, it's obviously we're going to see an uptick in in Bo Allen. And one of the other things that we've seen through training camp so far is moving Jason Pierre-Paul inside with Gerald McCoy, allowing Noah Spence and Vinnie Curry to work as the edge rushers. What's kind of your your take on that situation? It, to me, it, it seems kind of foreign to see JPP move inside like that. But then again, I didn't watch a ton of Giants games, so I'm not sure if that was something that he really did a lot in New York. And maybe it's just something that they're trying out in training camp. We may never see it in a game. Um, you know, kind of kind of like the 3-4 alignment that everybody thought we were going to be running last year. Um, but, I mean, do you think that can be an effective 
front four for the Bucks moving JPP inside. I mean, obviously you want your best athletes out on the field, but you know, guys play certain positions for certain reasons and you know, moving moving JPP inside to get Noah Spence on the field, I get it, but at the same time, is it going to detract from what their natural skill set is to begin with? How do you see that playing out? There's a lot to like about it so far. I can completely understand the hesitation, you know, seeing Pierre Paul move on the inside um, so far. And like I said, again, this could be just a coaching staff trying to save their hide, knowing what's going, you know, what they're going into this season. But they've he's drawn rave reviews from all across the board in all areas about moving inside. Um, I'm 95% sure positive that I saw him standing on the edge at one point in a, in a sub package um, on Saturday's practice with uh, at least three, at least three down linemen, which to me, that's extremely exciting. He's bit, like I said, drawn rave reviews, not only from the coaches, but he's drawn rave reviews from reporters and people who have attended camp. I like it a lot. As long as the matchups are there, Nino, now this coaching staff has been known not to put their players in the best position, especially last year. So that, obviously involves some type of hesitation towards these types of moves. But, I mean, honestly, Noah Spence, JPP, Gerald McCoy, and Vinny Curry all in the front four, especially in a third and long situation, that to me just screams success. Um, it's very unconventional, but at the same time, this coaching staff was being blamed for being too conventional last year, and they're still catching heat for wanting to be too conventional. So, in my opinion – they need to be as unconventional or unconventional as unconventional as possible. And I'm okay with it. And he's looked great. Um, he totally dominated on the inside whenever he did play on Saturday and Sunday and the sub packages on the inside. And so far so good. I mean, it's really hard to not like what they're doing, especially with Brinson Buckner uh, in there. And I posted a video on Sunday of Buckner getting in William Golson's face, or actually his chest, really, if you want to get technical <laughs> about it. And uh, after Golston was flattened by Alex Kappa, and speaking of Alex Kappa, he looked excellent. After reviewing that play more and more, after he helps flatten Golston, he actually takes on two, I believe it was Cameron Lynch, can't remember the other linebacker, but he takes two linebackers out of the play right after that. So he was he was pretty much responsible for taking – a minimum of two and a half players out of that play. And that's why Jaquiz was able to break the run up the inside like he was. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I know Kappa's starting to get a little bit more attention and a little bit more love. Uh, of course, you had um, Caleb Beninock thrown out of practice for fighting because right. apparently they're not allowing fighting this year. I don't know why, but yeah, hey, whatever. It is what it is. Well, yeah, one, thing it, I noticed, one, one thing I noticed while I was there – the team's very conscientious about avoiding potential injury situations. And again, I know it's me beating a dead horse could be a coaching staff just trying to protect themselves as much as possible with as much pressure they're going to be under. But especially during uh, individual defensive end drills, uh, you know, all the defensive ends were pretty much some were playing offensive line, some were playing defensive line. And when they got too close to a cart or whatever, I'm, t I'm saying the entire group would, Hey, 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 you know, like try to warn each other, um, Cotter spoke specifically multiple times during after uh, practice press conferences about how he's trying to avoid players going down to the ground. So, I mean, yeah, you want that intensity, but at the same time, you don't want players doing stupid stuff that could possibly take somebody out, especially with losing your first round draft pick 
and your backup right tackle when you already have your starting right tackle on the mend, it makes sense. I can I can definitely see that on the flip side. We saw kind of a similar hesitant approach last season during training camp, and it Very was true. the softest training camp in, in history, and <laughs> it still didn't help with the injuries. You had Levante and Quan both both go out early. Jameis Winston yep. got hurt. You know, injuries are gonna happen. It's it's football, but I can understand unnecessary contact, unnecessary uh you know obstacles being run into things of that nature the fighting you know it's it's training camp they get heated they're they're battling the same guys over and over and over and you kind of want to see that fire and intensity but you know it's that's up to to coach cutter and and you know his staff you know i'll just kind of leave it alone it is what it is right before we uh, we wrap things up by talking about Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber, I want to let uh, Locked On Bucks listeners know that uh, we have quite the deal for them. And, Evan, you know the Hall of Fame game between the Bears and the Ravens is coming up really, really soon, and that means the start of the NFL regular season is right around the corner. This season, don't, around, don't sit around watching the Bucks from home when you can be at Raymond James Stadium in the crowd cheering in person thanks to vivid seats vivid seats is offering locked on bucks listeners 10 percent off your first ticket order when you use our exclusive promo code locked on that's all one word locked on l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n this offer is for new customers only and the offer is good through the end of August. So if you're going to take advantage of 10% off your ticket purchase, you got to do it quick. Pick out that game that you want to go to. You want to go see the Monday night game against Pittsburgh. See Dungey put up in the, the ring of honor, hop on vivid seats, get your tickets. Preseason and regular season tickets are available. Now the Buccaneers kick off their home schedule against the defending champion Philadelphia Eagles you know that you're you're going to see Vinnie Curry and Bo Allen excited and up for that game it's going to be a good one you're going to want to be in the crowd so go to vividseats.com or download the app and enter the promo code locked on for 10% off your first order the offseason is over the NFL is back and vivid seats wants to help you get to the game Evan, Ronald Jones is a player that a lot of Buccaneers fans are excited about, given how putrid the running game has been. But for those that are, are you know, recurring listeners and, and are familiar with me, one of my biggest complaints about the running back situation has been Charles Sims, that when he's in the game, you know exactly what's about to happen. Yep. Early on in camp – it seems like things are going to be kind of similar to start with with Ronald Jones because this kid cannot pass block. And he's he's aware of it. He's mentioned it to the media that he knows that's something that he has to work on, but he's going to have to work really, really hard because it is just not pretty. You know, the, the whole reason that you spend a high second-round pick or a first-round pick on a running back is to make sure that they're good in all three facets of the game, running, receiving, pass blocking. You have to have that, that three tool running back in order to be a successful team. You don't want to 
basically tell the defense what you're doing based on what running back you have in the game. So, I mean, what did you see from Ronald Jones while while you were out there? And, you know, is this a problem that you think is going to is going to take a while? Is it just, you know, we're going to see steady improvement throughout camp? How do you see Ronald Jones as as a pass blocker for this team? And are we going to be in a situation where we're telegraphing what we're doing to defenses based on what running back is in the game? You've definitely got a point with defenses being able to read, you know, whatever running backs in the game. Hopefully, you know, Cutter and them can find a way to keep defenses on their heels. But when it comes to Ronald Jones, I think you can pick apart really any rookie coming into the NFL. I mean, Sony Michelle, drafted by the Patriots, arguably one of the best talent evaluators in the nation, or sorry, in the league. Um, he's got fumble issues. So, but that's something that can be worked on, just like pass blocking. So it's not that big a deal. It is concerning because the last thing we need is Rojo coming in on a third down, whether it be five, seven, eight, two, ten. You know, I can put out any number there because he <laughs> can do every he can do everything. Um, the last thing we need to do is for him to allow a blitzer free. You know, whether what whether it be linebacker, safety, cornerback, whatever, and take out Ryan Fitzpatrick in week one. And then all of a sudden we're stuck with Ryan Griffin or somebody like that. That's the last thing we want. So it is a big deal, but it's something that can be fixed. Um, One other thing, it seems like it's mental at this point with him more than anything, which is understandable for a rookie. But, you know, the fumble he had where MJ Stewart hit him on Sunday and he fumbled the ball, um, that to me – screams also a mental issue um, but fortunately mental things can or mental issues can be fixed and like I said while it is concerning I don't think it's that big of a deal in the long run okay now you you had the opportunity to speak with a uh, fellow running back Peyton Barber when you were at, at training camp and he kind of stressed the the same thing that he knows what he needs to improve on and you know, part of that improvement, of course, it encompasses everything. He wants to continue to get better. We're talking about an undrafted rookie who has now worked his way into, you know, a what we are assuming is going to be a pretty solid timeshare with Ronald Jones. But one of the things that he did specifically mention was pass blocking. You know, these running backs are aware of how important that is. They saw their their quarterback go out for three games last year and play most of the season with an injured shoulder. He wasn't himself. They don't want to be the ones that, you know, cause that to happen again. You know, they have to, as you said, they got to keep Ryan Fitzpatrick upright because you don't want to rely on Ryan Griffin for these three games. At least with with Fitzpatrick, you have a puncher's chance. With Griffin, you have no idea what you're getting into because he's right. never taken a meaningful snap. But what did what did Barber tell you about kind of the way he's, you know, looking at what he needs to do? I was really impressed with Peyton. Um, you know, I didn't get that much time to talk with him because he was with his family, didn't want to keep him from them. You know, it's, it's a great time for all of them to be around each other, so on and so forth. But he just had this look in his eye when he answered my questions that just told me he knows what's up. He's only entering his third year, still very young. And one thing he specifically mentioned to me was how he has a veteran in Jaquiz to learn from, but he also has a rookie in Rojo to teach. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. But, yeah, he specifically, when I asked him what he's looking to prove on, the first word that came out of his mouth was everything. I asked him to elaborate. He said, pass blocking he said rushing yards rushing touchdowns receptions I mean he went through the whole shebang and 
I was, like I said, I was very, very impressed with him. Um, he does not, he's not ready to let go of the, the momentum that he had built into the last five games of the season last year. You know, I believe he had 78 carries for around 335 yards. Um, every single game, those last five games, he had 23 carries against the Packers, and then he never went below 12 game or 12 carries per game after that, never went below 50 yards rushing after that, scored a touchdown. He he's on the run, man. He's he's ready to go, and he shed seven pounds in the off season. Um, Cutter even specifically mentioned I, not tooting my own horn, but I did on our highlights from training camp, my post on Sunday. I did actually include the uh, the toss sweep that Barber had on the on when they went to the inside training uh, inside practice facility, where he just looked so quick and he was bouncing off tacklers, making moves, everything, and he was. Cutter actually specifically mentioned that play today after the press conference, which I thought was kind of cool. And just talked about how quick he was, but he also didn't trade in power for speed, so to speak. Um, all day Sunday, he was making physical plays, bouncing off tacklers. He's not ready to let this go. And honestly, I know a lot of people think Rojo is going to come in and, and maybe even split carries, but right now, I would give the load to Peyton. I really would. And just see what he can do and let Rojo improve. And once he's ready to take off, bring him in. There's nothing wrong with having Peyton be your lead back for the first five to seven games, as long as he's doing well. And then bringing in Rojo, you know, as a change of pace, you know, extra elements of the offense once defenses start getting more tape on your offense and seeing what you're doing, if that makes any sense. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, it, it, that wouldn't surprise me one bit if if we saw a heavier load of – of Peyton Barber early on and kind of gradually let Ronald Jones take more and more of the workload as the season progressed and as he continued to improve. But, you know, like we were saying, that pass blocking has got to be improved before Definitely. he's seeing significant time. You know, Peyton Barber, he's not he's not the best pass blocker in, in the league no. by any means, but he's sufficient enough to get the job done, and he's still a running and a passing threat out of the backfield or I should say pass catching threat out of the backfield. So he's not, you know, again, you're not telegraphing what you're doing. Whereas if Charles Sims is in, you know, it's pass. And, right. you know, if Ronald Jones is in, you're going to know it's a run if he doesn't get this pass blocking down. So Evan, uh, we're going to wrap up with our, with our fun little game. And I'm going to ask you a couple of rapid fire questions for those of you that don't know Evan. You know, he, he does a great job for us over at BucksNation.com. Excited to work with him. Uh, but what's the real Evan like? We're going to throw a couple of questions at you real quick and, and see how you do. So for starters, Evan, who's your favorite superhero? Man, um, probably Batman. And I know oh, that sounds, geez. I know that's, that sounds corny. <laughs> actually, I actually, you know, people are probably going to just go crazy over this um, man until infinity war. The last superhero movie I saw was Iron Man two. I've always been a huge, yeah, I know. I've always been a huge superhero fan, um, but just never really actually delved into the depths of, or I should rather say, dived into the depths of, of the actual genre. But love Batman, man, especially after the reboots with Christian Bale. You know, he's a guy, even though he's not just a guy, he's a billionaire, but he's a guy with no superhero powers, morally conscious, 
makes good decisions and man the dark knight was one of the best movies ever made <laughs> yeah i i won't i won't argue that point i actually i got david to binge the majority of the marvel cinematic universe before infinity war came out now i just got to get him to see star wars because he hasn't seen any of those yet oh star wars is now hey now i could talk all day about star wars that's oh, great man you and me both buddy i'll have to send you pictures <laughs> in my basement it's nerdy and impressive nice all right, you and I are going on a road trip. We're traveling across the country. It's my shift to drive. I hand you the aux cord. What's the first song we're listening to? Holy crap. Oh, <laughs> man, if I'm feeling – see, I, I grew up, man. I've grown up around music my entire life. I play guitar, drums, and banjo. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, man, I've been playing guitar for, oh, God, since I was eight years old. So, oh, my God, 21 years now. Uh, I've been playing drums for about 10, banjo for about five it all really depends on what mood I'm in. If I'm in a rocking mood, I'm most likely there's this band out right now. They're called rainbow kitten surprise. Um, they're one of the best alternative bands out there. I know the the name is crazy, but check them out. Uh, they're absolutely amazing. And they're going to be one of the bigger up and coming bands. Probably this band or this song called, um, uh, fever pitch by them. So again, that's rainbow kitten surprise fever pitch. If I feel like chilling out, probably gonna go with something sublime, something like that. I've especially got the sun tattoo on my shoulder. And if I feel like getting hype, something like that, I'm going to go Childish Cambino, most likely a Bonfire, something along those lines. No Drake, though, or no Rihanna. <laughs> My man. <laughs> All right. What was your first car? First car was a black Camaro, dueled out, exhaust, black tinted windows, black uh, back end bay window. And then I flipped it going to pick up my current girlfriend in high school at the time and had to crawl out the back window. Didn't get hurt, though, but I definitely flipped that sucker. Wow. Yeah, blacked out, blacked out taillights and everything. It was sweet, man. T or actually no, it wasn't T top. Um, that's actually what saved my life when I went up the embankment and landed on the top. Basically where where I was sitting, if even if I would have had my seatbelt on, you know, I was a rebellious teenager, no seatbelts here. Um where I would have been sat in the seat right where my head would have been was was gone. So yeah. Fate fate intervened on that one. I bet you wear your seatbelt now, don't you? Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> all right. Uh, favorite athlete of all time? Derek Brooks, easily. Man, he was he was something else, dude. Um, just the character he represented on the field and off the field, the impact plays he made. I'll never forget 2002 whenever he gets the interception and Warren Sapp laterals it back to Brooks and he runs it in. I believe against, it was against the Falcons, I believe. That's mm -hmm. just that's just one of just almost every career play he's ever made stuck has stuck out to me, especially in twenty two thousand two whenever they played the Rams. I think he had like ten tackles in that game. He absolutely dominated Marshall Falk. It was just he was such a thrill to watch, and the fact that he won defensive MVP in two thousand two while playing outside linebacker, weak side linebacker at that. He's the man, by far my favorite athlete of all time. All right, and finally, Evan, unfortunately, you are about to be put to death, and they are granting your your request for your final meal. What are you having? I need an entree, dessert, or beverage. Entree, dessert, beverage. Entree, I'm going shepherd's pie. That's the, Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, man, that's the Irishness in me, bro. Got to have my potatoes, got to have my meat, and a little bit of vegetables, you know what I'm saying? Dessert, oh, Let's see. It's going to be a toss-up between chocolate mousse or strawberry cheesecake. I'm going to run with the chocolate mousse because I like chocolate. And then beverage. 
I'm going to have to go a Nashville Blackstone Brewery uh, Hopjack IPA. That's one of my favorite beers out there right now. All right. Well, Evan, buddy, thank you so much for joining me and, and for, for filling in me, for man. David. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Evan underscore Winter. I'm on Facebook. Kind of distanced myself from that after the whole Cambridge Analytica thing. They can all, you know go their own own way but if you're really desperate send me a friend request on there i check it every about every couple weeks but twitter is the main place to find at evan underscore winter and of course bucksnation.com all right yeah and, and you do phenomenal work over there so i i highly recommend that all of our listeners check out what you're doing over at bucksnation.com which of course you can find all of my stuff and david's at bucksnation.com as well and make sure that you follow along on twitter at locked on bucks at jarco underscore bucks and at dh82 underscore bucks. We'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks. I'm at the grocery store, I'm buying eggs and toast, I'm looking at you and not where I walk, I broke my nose, it's facing door. don't let the fever get you, God, God already lost my soul in the seventh heaven, looking out